0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. It's championship week. It's Thursday morning and uh listen, Bart Simmons, Tom Fernelli, gentlemen, this is not an emergency pod. How it feels good to be on a regularly scheduled pod and uh it's, you know, we were last with you before the uh the long holiday break and even though we've got less games, I'm, I'm I would surmise that we still have at least a handful of locks each. Um, it's it's sad we don't have an entire slate to pick through, but the, the stakes and the teams are certainly of championship quality. So how are we doing December 5th heading into championship week?
1: I'm focused. I'm actually, in a way, I like that there are fewer games in a way because it allows you to really dig in on the games that are available. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. instead of instead of going through 30, 40, 50 games trying to find the ones you like, it's like all right, I've got 11 games, 10 games here. Let me dig in and see what I really like about them so I feel good this week.
2: Uh, and ironically, given even what you just said, the, I am this is a little bit of a gut week, a little bit of a hunch week. Didn't d- didn't do Quite the same extent of due diligence on these picks as I typically do. I'm a, a little bit more flying by the seat of my pants here, but you know what? Sometimes those are your best weeks. So I'm 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 still confident.
0: Well, as we turn our attention uh, to the the healthy Week 14 cards that uh, that we laid out for the listeners, I would say that Barton, if you're going by your gut, you might be okay considering um, you've got a 32 point 32 game lead uh, on uh, on myself and a 19 game lead on Tom right now. So I would say s-
2: quite a disaster. I, 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 I don't,
0: I, you might have this sucker clinched. We'll see. Uh, we do have, we'll, we'll see how we want to end up litigating the, uh, the, the bowls in terms of, how that factors in whether it's a a separate contest or not.
2: But we have I think we have a the past we've done a regular season championship and a and a postseason championship.
0: That's right. And I think that we agreed it was yeah because it's going to be like um, European football different cups.
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So Barton you were uh, the winner with uh, with last week but but uh, it was six and four so a lot going on out there you had the uh, I mean we we didn't really get a chance I guess we we probably did but the the beautiful middle for the dentist congrats to the dentist you have earned the right to have a capital T and a capital D when you <laughs> deliver your edicts uh, because you got the Ole Miss plus two and a half and also your season win total thanks to uh, P gate that is a lock agreement win for Barton and Tom. A loss for Texas Tech plus 10 against Texas. A loss, uh, Memphis minus 11 against Cincinnati. That was a lock agreement with Chip. Then Ohio State minus 8.5 cashed. Vandy plus 21 cashed. Oklahoma minus 13 cashed. A loss for Minnesota plus 3. A, another lock agreement with Chip. Uh, Baylor minus 14 cashed. Wake minus minus four and 4.5. Brutal. Uh, loss there in overtime. And then Rice... Minus seven with the win. That is six and four on the week. Plus two, bringing you to 68, 48, and five on the season. Dang, we pick a lot of games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom's card. We mentioned the Ole Miss win. The under 63 and a half, Tom Herman, under's dog, uh, takes a loss this time. Under 44 and a half, Nebraska, Iowa. The, the furious... Was it the furious Nebraska comeback that ruined this, or did was Iowa kind of already uh, pacing in in a way that that had them um, probably going no, over?
1: No, there was just a stretch in the first half that included like a pick six and just a couple like Iowa, which hadn't allowed two two big or hadn't had two large long run plays all season of forty yards or more, had two against Nebraska in like the first quarter. Then Nathan Stanley threw the pick six. So it was it was pretty much done early.
0: Uh West Virginia plus 13 and a half. West Virginia got it done on the field. That was a that was a great win for for Neil Brown. And was that that kind of felt like a, a hunchy call for you, right?
1: oh uh, yeah. I just I didn't think I, I didn't think West Virginia was gonna win, but I didn't think that they were that much worse than the TCU team they were playing. And, and t-
0: TCU at home is the other uh potential principle that we're putting on the notepad as we go into Mm -hmm. next year yeah uh over 50 in ohio state michigan that is absolutely a win shout out to michigan home overs under 43 and a half uh illinois northwestern i'm sorry that northwestern spoiled what has otherwise been a great season for the illini a win a lock fight win against us with, uh, with Wisconsin minus two and a half, but a lock fight loss as you were on Alabama against me and I was on Auburn, uh, a loss for Wyoming plus 10 and a half, a loss for Texas A&M plus 17. They only scored seven and uh, under 46 and a half, Iowa State, Kansas State is a win and over 71 Tulane SMU is a loss, uh, just nice and even six and six and on the season 69, 68 and two. Okay, uh, I, I sprayed the board and it came back to bite me. Three and nine uh, on my card. The losses: Memphis minus eleven, South Carolina plus twenty. Oh yeah, because the PPFP. I was the chip. Mm-hmm. I was the chip pansy sent into space, and the <laughs> PPFP came back. All right, I'm going to issue my report to the listeners. The report is the PPFP. There is not enough evidence to go on the other side of it. The F PPFP, the fade playoff pressure fade principle. But there is certainly uh, evidence to suggest that we should not take this moving forward for future week fourteens because South Carolina plus twenty seven and a half, Georgia Tech plus twenty eight and a half against Georgia, Colorado plus twenty eight and a half against Utah, uh, all losses. as was, I guess that was the only real, oh yeah, as was Texas A and M plus seventeen. Also took the L with Minnesota plus three. Got the lock fight win with Auburn. Got the Oregon State plus 19.5. Go Beeves win there. But then the additional losses included Florida State plus 17.5 and Missouri minus 12. Three and nine for the week. 54 and 66 uh, on the season. On the season, the Syndicate really, the the Syndicate could use a, a good close here in championship week. 198 one ninety and eight so a winning record but technically down on the uh on the units so uh, are you gentlemen ready to just just roll out some uh some winners for everybody
2: oh yeah bring it we're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming.
1: Since 2005, when Service Academy's. Don't well.
0: get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up.
1: Younger is
2: 3391. We've got over 80 million dollars. You want lock these
0: locks.
2: I'm, I'm I'm living and dying every every point, every cover.
0: Alright, Barton. You've got the honors on the T-Box. Take us to where you want to go championship week we can start out on friday if you want to just go ahead and get that out of the way but it is ultimately your choice according to the bylaws
2: uh okay i am uh this is my least probably my least confident play but i do think that we should start on friday where oregon faces utah tom do we have a did i get some some hints of some bad weather or what
1: uh yes. <clears throat> as we, we get a sit, report. As we sit now at Levi Stadium in beautiful Santa Clara, California. We're gonna have mostly cloudy with with some drizzle, not nothing too bad, just you know, some some slight misting. But yeah. what where things are really gonna come into play is with winds between thirteen and fifteen Woo! miles an hour blowing through the stadium. Crosswinds too, not the north south kind of going from sideline to sideline. So that's gonna have an impact on this game.
2: <clears throat> that was a uh, that was an answer that sounded prepared. Sounded like you you may have some thoughts on this, and I, I'm I'm inclined to think we may be on the re- the same side here. I am going under the 47 point total. Uh, I think that this is. I mean, like I, I, if Oregon hadn't lost last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, I, I would be. Inclined to play Utah here, because I've, then I think it, the line would be a little bit closer per two. But I think everyone will be talking up Oregon, um, and I've long thought Utah was the better team. But at six and a half, six points, I could see this game being won by Utah inside that number. But I want to have some action on this game, and I think that these two teams—it's a little bit old school SEC. You got the Utah loaded defensive line against Oregon's huge offensive line I think that Utah is going to be efficient take care of the ball try to run it um, try to impose its will on Oregon defensively and, and and I think it can have some success there and I think Oregon will be able to possess the ball a little bit offensively too so I, I just think this one is going to be a, a, a relatively close game that's that's played in the, the 20s and uh, I'm going to go under 47
1: the good news is we have lock agreement but we might. <laughs> the bad news is to set 46 now it's no longer at 47 <laughs> because
2: i got so i'm seeing mgm have it at 47 oh uh, caesars has it 46 and a half okay there. well we're taking no no
1: if you it's, if it's an mgm of 47 boom we're getting it at 47 boys you got to shop around Got to shop around Uh, Okay, well then there's no bad news because (laughs) but I will say this total opened at fifty one and it has it's been dropping for the very reasons why we're taking the under. So for our listeners, depending on when you're getting this, it's probably gonna have been dropping even more. So I I'm cool with it to forty-five, but if it gets past 45, I would just avoid it and stay away. But I, I like the under because of the weather, but also just because of these two teams who have they have good offenses they have explosive offenses especially utah but the really the identity of who they are has been their defenses and if you look at this matchup and you look at the weather and how it's going to impact the game if it does take away some of what they want to do through the air with justin herbert and tyler huntley and they have to focus more on running the ball well that's just going to make life easier on two very good defenses who will be able to key more on stopping the run which could turn this into somewhat of a rock fight, although I don't think it'll be like, what, that Washington-Utah title game. Was that last year or two years ago? Last year. It was like 12-7 to
0: or something stupid like
1: that. Just just the ugliest damn game you ever saw. I don't think it'll be like that, but I do think it's going to be lower scoring even without the weather. Like, had it stuck at 51, I would have taken the under. With the weather, now that it's down to 47, I'm still taking the under because I do think that's going to play an impact. And then just if we look at some trends, the under is 7 or eight two and one in utah's last 11 conference games and it's eight and three in oregon's last 11 games as an underdog because that kind of gives us an idea of how oregon likes to play when it's not favored it wants to slow things down and you know use its defense to keep itself in the game and possibly pull off the upset so I think that's the kind of game we're going to see. And then I also wouldn't be surprised, you know, not PPFP, but maybe if there's some jitters on Utah's part early in the game, knowing how much is on the line and that they're the only team playing at that point. So everybody in the world's watching. So I I, I think this is going to be a lower scoring affair.
2: Hey, did you guys see the quote from the Utah player saying uh, like (laughs) – I'm paraphrasing a little bit, uh, but he said some of the effect of, you know, we, we don't really care what happens out there. Uh, we feel like we're the best team in the country. Uh, all I know is if they let us in the playoffs, we're going to beat somebody's brains out. Uh, and, uh, I kind of, I mean, I, I don't kind of, I, I, I really like that. Yes. Um, and, and so, uh, I could absolutely see just the haywire just things never go as you're supposed to and and so Utah loses. but I also think Utah kind of feels like they, they, they I think Utah probably has a little bit of that LSU like we are the chosen ones. like nothing is getting in our way. so I, I could see that uh, get you know I could see them them win handily as well.
0: I spent so much time beating the drum for Utah on CBS Sports HQ, which you can watch CBS HQ.com or on the CBS Sports Mobile app, that I had to really do some hard uh analysis. Like, you know, you you're out there and, and you're given all of your uh, you know we we our answers are normally what? Like forty five seconds, a minute or something, you we know, within the process mm-hmm. of uh, you know, just trying to distill the key points. But for the Cover 3 podcast, I know that I've got to go deeper. And if I just come out here and I'm like, top five, top ten offense, top ten defense, no, no, no. I, I need to have more confidence. And so as I began to really dig into this, I my, my lock is Oregon plus six and a half. And my hunch is that Oregon's going to win this game. And I, I think that it starts with Oregon's offensive line, which... We, you know, praised and sort of held up in this in this rarefied air for so much of the season, and I just wonder if the six and a half is a little bit disrespectful to a team that was not fault. Like they laid an egg against Arizona State, but I also believe that that Arizona State performance was abnormal compared to what we've seen from the rest of the data set, and. I, I kind of think that especially with the no, like just their plant coming in, I think that they're going to play uh, a little bit free. I think that they, you know, Utah has been incredible against the run this season. They've held almost all of their opponents under three yards per carry. And I think maybe all of them under four yards per carry. But you go and look at the teams that Utah has played and there aren't a lot of like really elite rushing teams and I think that the the way that Utah wins this game is by stopping the run first and then making Justin Herbert beat you because Justin Herbert has not been good this year and I I am picking Oregon even considering that Justin Herbert's not the reason it's Oregon's defense, it's Oregon's offensive line and it's Oregon coming into this game uh, just, just playing a little bit more free and a little bit more loose and the you know, Mario Cristobal listening to Appetite for Destruction, like just tearing everything down, getting this team in the right mindset to go and win a championship. So at six and a half, like I, I'm, I'm with you. I do believe that this is going to be a low scoring, really physical, intense game. But the, the side that I feel the most confident on is uh, is Oregon plus six and a half. So let's lock it up. Quack, quack with the Ducks.
2: I like that play. <clears throat> I, I think that's pro- if I were going to play the side, even though I think like I just want to, I, I want to sort of um, state my confidence and belief in Utah. Uh, and yet at six and a half, I just, I kind of think this game will be closer than that.
1: Yeah. I took Oregon in the expert picks. So I'm just not locking it up. I like the under better in this game.
0: Um. All right. So let's, uh, let's take that on. Oh, and plus, you know, that doesn't, that also totally changes the, because we've spent so much time talking about this Utah thing and fine bombs out here, no one wants to say Utah, and it's just like so much of a, a a strange talking point in the playoff discussion here, heading into Championship Week. It's like, well, yeah, but but what if Oregon wins? That's not a big deal, right? We're just we're just yeah. moving on into Saturday uh, with an entirely different set of circumstances. So, but, wait, go ahead, Tom.
1: I was going to say then that Baylor Oklahoma game means a
0: lot more. Right. Right. So, as we head on into Saturday, Baylor Oklahoma, uh who anybody got a lock on it? Who wants to take uh first cut at this?
1: I do. All right, Tom. Uh, I'm taking Oklahoma minus 8. I went back and I looked at the first game and I looked a little deeper and obviously it was a close game. It was 34-31. Oklahoma won, and we all know the story. Baylor had the twenty-eight to three lead in the first half. It was thirty-one to ten at halftime, and then Oklahoma, you know, shut them out in the second half, outscoring them twenty-four to nothing to win the game thirty-four to thirty-one. But if you look a little closer, I mean, Oklahoma severely outplayed Baylor for the most part in that game. They had, you know, five hundred twenty-five yards of offense. Baylor had three hundred and seven. Two of Baylor's touchdown drives consisted of a total of three plays and 36 yards because there were two Oklahoma turnovers one inside Oklahoma's 10 the other inside the Oklahoma 30 which gave Baylor the ball at the 27 and the nine yard line and they scored both and that's what kind of gave them that big lead early that Oklahoma had to dig out from and I just look at this and I when you look at it all in the second half None of Baylor's or none of Oklahoma's touchdown drives were on a short field. It wasn't because of Baylor turnovers. You know, Baylor was pinning them back with punts, playing the field position game, and Oklahoma just moved down, up and down the field on them with ease in that second half. Each one of their touchdown drives was at least 74 yards. And to me, like Chip, you mentioned on HQ earlier this week about Gary Patterson's quote from a couple years ago. When he had, you know, when TCU got to the Big 12 title game and had to play Oklahoma, where he was basically saying, you know, it's tough enough to play Lincoln Riley once, you give him a second look at you, and you know, good luck. And I feel that kind of way in this game, because I think that kind of started at halftime of this game where... And Lincoln Riley saw what Baylor's defense was doing, figured it out, went into the half, said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do in the second half. And by the way, Jalen, take care of the damn ball and let's go out there and just crush this team. And that's exactly what they did. And I think we're going to see a similar game plan to that where this is a Baylor team that I I was very high on coming into the season. They have exceeded my expectations, but I didn't think they were going to cover the first game when I dug into it then. And I don't think they're going to this time either just because they did cover that first game. That's not changed my mind. I think Oklahoma is the much better team. And unless it has the same turnover problems that we've seen in the last few weeks. So, yes, that is a very real threat to Oklahoma covering here. But I think if Oklahoma takes care of the ball and limits its mistakes, it's probably going to win this game with ease. <laughs>
0: I, I really think I'm going uh, Lincoln-Riley in rematches as a principal until proven otherwise. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Barton?
2: Unite the clans.
3: Yes! Yes! We let Here we go. We
2: let Baylor, you're I'm done. It. Don't even show up. <laughs> yeah, t- I mean, Tom really kind of covered um, – All of my thoughts on this one, and I started. Yeah, I think we found value last week on Oklahoma, or I did uh, over Oklahoma State for the same principles. I mean, everyone is is talking about how Oklahoma is playing all these teams close, without acknowledging the fact that the defense is actually playing pretty good. Um, This is not last year's Oklahoma team, where the defense was this. Is it a sieve? 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 It was a sieve. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll log that for later. It'll be a little, a little cleaner. Uh, leaky? It was a sieve. It was leaky. Yeah. It was horrible. It was one of the worst in the country. And we we all said this. Man, if Oklahoma's defense was just decent, not good, just average. And here we are. And Oklahoma's defense is just is average now. Maybe even a little better than average. And uh, I, I think – all we got to do is, is see Oklahoma take care of the football, and I, I just don't know that Baylor's going to be able to keep pace. So, yeah, ba- Baylor could cover this. Baylor could win this, but it will take Oklahoma hand into the ball a few times. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet on Oklahoma being able to take care of things. Lock
0: unity seven and four on the season among all the different types of agreements and fights. That's one of your most profitable uh, trends to follow. Outside of the lock fight, Tom Barton five to two. Is that a Tom advantage <laughs> lock fight? Is that I'm asking a uh, question.
1: It, it is. Yeah, it's five to two me. At the same time, it's also pretty profitable to go against us when we have lock agreement too.
2: Yeah, we, there's there are there are strong correlations when Tom is also I five, two and five.
1: Yeah. So if we agree. Fade us. If we're fighting, go with (laughs) me.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. I will. Let's see. I'm going to take us to. Let's go to Memphis, Cincinnati, the American athletic conference championship game going to be in the Liberty bowl. And uh, we saw last time they played on Friday. We had no Desmond Ritter and Desmond Ritter's going to be back in the lineup, and I'm here to tell you that that doesn't matter. Now, it could matter if Cincinnati wins this game because then Cincinnati gets to campaign and Luke Fickle gets to talk in the postgame press conference. of, oh, we didn't have our quarterback, and that's why we lost. And if you're going to take injuries into account, you got to take it into account. We should be going to the Cotton Bowl, yada, yada, yada. Well, uh, as I pointed out before, Desmond Ritter. He was the starting quarterback for two Cincinnati wins in the month of November where the team had less than 100 passing yards. So I'm not going to consider that a big bonus with him coming back to the lineup. I am, however, going to be taking the under... Uh, On this line, because I think that as Cincinnati comes in as an underdog, it is going to be uh, fired up and it is going to be trying to lean on what it does best, which is going to be defense and running the ball. And at the same time, this Memphis team, you know, you're coming in as more than a touchdown favorite. You just played this team. All of the familiarity that comes with the rematch has me going to under. So if you're going to go for a championship game under, if you're going to go with the rematch under, there's just too many signs pointing to this being a game that uh, maybe breaks more the Bearcats way, but I'm not willing to uh, take the points for Cincinnati because I could absolutely see Memphis winning this game by some kind of like a – 28 to 17 type score but i think that with everything that's on the line and with all the familiarity we're going to end up seeing this number get uh just a shade under so as while we've still got it up here above 56 i'm going to go ahead and lock it in and i'm going to lock it in at 57 and a half
1: i'm good with it i'm not locking up anything in this game it's you know honestly if if ritter wasn't playing i would have been on cincinnati
0: because Ben Bryant can actually move the ball down the field in a way that Ritter yeah. hasn't been able to all year
1: yeah and if you look at like the game last week you know Memphis won the game but Cincinnati turned the ball over three times and still was very much in that game at the end and had a chance to win so it's like I was very much leaning towards the Bearcats in this game until you know Fickle came out and was like Ritter's our quarterback Ritter will be starting and I was like all right then I'm not going to be making a play on this one <laughs>
2: Uh that that same principle that you just discussed with Lincoln Riley uh in rematches Norvell I I feel I feel like that is, is applicable to Norvell. I'm going Memphis minus 9. Uh that, offensively I I just have a ton of confidence that Memphis will be able to score points. I just I think Norvell's going to get in that lab this week and he's got a full game to 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 dig into an autopsy, and I, I think I mean, we've seen it before. In, in 2017, they played UCF. Memphis scored 13 points in the championship game against UCF. The rematch, they scored 55. In 2018, against UCF, they scored 30 points in the championship game. They scored 41. Now they lost both those games because they gave up a ton of points. But I, I have confidence in Memphis being able to. Uh, score more points than they scored in the first game last weekend. I don't have confidence in Cincinnati being able to score significantly more points. And so I just think this is just sort of a bet on Norvell play. Right. Um, all these Florida State fans that think Norvell isn't good enough to be the head coach, I just I tend to disagree with you. I could be wrong. I think they're wrong, though. I think Norvell's really good. And uh, I think that uh, Memphis wins this one and, and he heads down to Tallahassee all right barton back to you back to me okay um next up how about let's go to the are we at the se are we on saturday are We with sec championship game um
0: we only have one friday game everything else is yeah, saturday
2: one, one friday game what's the what's the early game on on saturday uh, we' got Clint?
0: Sunbelt and Mac and big 12 are all at noon and then you can watch FAU UAB on the CBS Sports network at 130 p.m Eastern time you can also stream it uh, through CBSSports.com or the CBS sports mobile app just log in through your cable provider
2: all right let's go let's 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 go that game you this is not this is not my wheelhouse all right UAB FAU but yeah, you know, Lane Kiff has been doing a lot of a lot of meetings this week, as far as I can tell.
0: Wait, and they're not team meetings. <laughs> <laughs> they're not team meetings. He's not meeting with the quarterbacks coach. I,
2: I I wonder how much time he's spent in the old film room this week, uh, because he's been meeting with Hunter Yurecek at Arkansas. He's probably been meeting with his agent. He's been, uh, I'd say. There's probably a few other schools he's sniffing around at, and that's happening in some other places. It starts happening with Norvell, who I just played in the in the previous pick. Um, but old little old UAB, just kind of rolling along, another eight and three season. Uh, I, I think, and they look their their wins have not been overly impressive. Their schedule isn't all that impressive, uh, but uh, I think. In this spot, you know, they're heavy underdogs. Uh, I like Bill Clark to have his team ready over perhaps a little bit of a distracted Lane Kiffin. So I'm going UAB plus I think it's eight.
0: Yeah, eight's gonna be the best number you're gonna get. I see it at Westgate at eight. Let's do it. I like it. I'm I, I, I cannot Cannot wade into these waters. I think I swore off the Kyusa about week eleven. Wait. Ooh, ooh. Let me get to d- taken. Oh life. man.
3: Fight!
2: Fight! Fight! Uh, fight! This is this is, fight. this is your this is your neighborhood. <laughs> I've strolled into your neighborhood after dark.
1: Listen, I agree with you. My concern here. <clears throat> The only thing that made me hesitate was, is Lane fully even, you know, paying attention to this game? Does he realize his team, by the way, you got one game left to play this week, coach. But this is mostly a fade UAB play because this, you know, a few weeks ago I took Tennessee and it was a big favorite against UAB and I just didn't think it was a large enough favorite compared to what it should be because this UAB team is... uh, in my ranking system, I have my own strength of schedule metric, and you mentioned UAB's schedule not being the most difficult. Well, UAB's got the easiest schedule in the country by my own ratings, if, if, if you want to go into detail here. Its non-conference schedule was against Alabama State, Akron, and South Alabama. Alabama State's five and six. Akron and South Alabama combined two and 22. If we look at what it did in conference play, its best win and its most important win was beating Louisiana Tech because that was the game that gave it the tiebreaker to give it the division title. They beat Louisiana Tech 20-14 to 14 at home. That's a great win, except Louisiana Tech had suspended its starting quarterback and its leading receiver for that game, which kind of had an impact in a 20-14 game. The rest of UAB's conference wins came against Rice, UTSA, Old Dominion, UTEP and North Texas combined, those teams have a record of 13 and 47. Combine that with its non conference record. This is a team who, outside of the Louisiana Tech game where they didn't have their starting QB and their starting receiver, the teams they've beaten this year are a combined 20 and 75. <laughs> yes, UAB is nine and three yes uab won its division but man when they say you ain't played nobody this is the team they are talking about florida atlantic has way too much talent on its roster for this uab team it's not that i think the blazers are bad because you are you know forget who you've played your record is important but i just don't see them being able to compete because their defensive metrics all look good but as i just went over They've all come against some of the worst offenses in the country. I mean, all those teams that they've beaten, save for Louisiana Tech, are currently in my bottom 25. Every single team that they beat besides Louisiana Tech is in the bottom 25 right now. So it's really difficult to trust UAB's performance in those games, and we've seen when it stepped up in class. It lost to Western Kentucky on the road. It lost to Tennessee 30-7. to It lost to Southern Miss 37-2. to and those are all teams that are closer to Florida Atlantic's level than anybody else. So I think that the, uh, the the Owls are going to win here rather comfortably. And I'm just kind of hoping Lane remembered there was a game this weekend. So lock up the Owls minus eight.
2: I make one group of five play, and Tom <laughs> puts on his spectacles, breaks out his group of five Bible, and starts earmarking pages and reading it off to me. All right, I get it. Great! I feel, I feel, I'm gonna lose this pick.
0: <laughs> Do you think that uh, who's more disappointed that Lane Kiffin wasn't missed uh, had had an attendance absence? Was it Charlie Weiss Jr. or was it his like shuffleboard team? <laughs> <laughs> we got it's the semifinals. Lane, Lane, you can't go to Arkansas! Come on! Uh, all right, coming up on the other side. More of our Championship Week locks, including a look at the SEC Championship, the Big Ten Championship, and how long Dabo Sweeney might keep in his starters. Next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure, What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Okay, so Tom, the uh, the rotation has it to you. Take us wherever you want to go.
1: Uh, I will take us to, let's see here. Hmm. Let's go to the Big Ten title game. I am taking the under 56 and a half in Wisconsin, Ohio State. I... I think Ohio State's going to win and cover. It's just I'm nervous to do it simply because Justin Fields aggravated his MCL injury in his left knee last week against Michigan. And after the game, we found out it was an aggravation, not a new injury. He told us that it happened on the final play of that Penn State game. And I had been wondering why in the Michigan game. Fields wasn't as large of a part of Ohio State's run game as he typically is. There weren't a lot of quarterback draws and plays designed to get him running. And now we know why it's because of a sprained MCL. And he said during the week, you know, I've got, he's talking about his brace. He says, I've got to wear the brace. It limits my mobility. And that tells me, guess who's not really going to be a part of Ohio State's run game this weekend against Wisconsin either. Justin Fields. So when I look at that, I think that the Wisconsin defense is very good, but as we saw in the first meeting, a very good defense really doesn't always do a whole lot against Ohio State. The Buckeyes still put up 38 points on them. But at the very least, if they don't have to worry about Justin Fields as a runner, that kind of makes things a little easier for them because then they could just kind of focus on Dobbins and you know stopping the receivers, which, you know, good luck. But at least that's one fewer thing you need to worry about. And then when I look at the other side, I don't know where Wisconsin's points are going to come from. Ohio State completely shut it down in the first meeting. Chase Young dominated that game. And if you look, Wisconsin is a team that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is the offense. Yes, last week against Minnesota, Cohn had a big game, and but it was because Minnesota was selling out to stop Taylor and forcing him to beat them, and he did it. But Jonathan Taylor has not had any success whatsoever against Ohio State. He's now played them twice, including earlier this year and a couple years ago. In those two games, he's rushed for 93 yards on 35 carries, 2.7 yards per carries, no touchdowns. Ohio State knows how to slow down Taylor it knows what to do up front to force Wisconsin to beat them in other ways and I see that as being the case here I don't know if Wisconsin gets past 14 points if they get to 17 points so I just think that the under is the smartest play here because again Ohio State's offense I fear might be a little limited by Fields' health and I just don't know where Wisconsin's going to score so while I do think this could easily be like a 35-13 game where Ohio State covers with ease I feel much safer on the under than I do the spread.
2: Barton? Uh, I don't have I don't have a play on this game but though, though Tom just laid out a pretty compelling case to play the under. Uh, so what do you got? 16
0: and a half. I'm going to lay it. Yeah. Yeah. They what they won the first game by what 30? Right?
1: 31, yeah.
0: 31. Yeah, no, nah, this, I don't, I mean, what's, cha- yes, Justin Fields' uh, potential limitations could be a very big deal, but I don't, Wisconsin, hey, listen, uh, I, I, you you called me out, Barton, I believe, um, as I sort of stumbled semi-confidently into saying that there was a, a potential coaching edge for P.J. Fleck against Paul Christ and I was sort of ringing in my head as I watched Wisconsin really just you know they they really held control of that game there was a lot that was going on um, in terms of you know the elements and and everything else in that snow globe that was Minneapolis but you know in in this game I I don't know if uh, I don't know if Wisconsin's going to throw a whole lot of new wrinkles that Ohio State hasn't seen or if if you know Jack Cohn's going to be able to be the kind of difference maker that he was against Minnesota, when uh, Chase Young and the rest of the Ohio State defense is in your face, I'm, I'm I'm very confident that not enough has changed, even with Justin Fields' injury, for me to think that Ohio State's not going to come in feeling pretty confident that it can get out there and run. I I I'm not going to uh, take it. Though I am imagining an Ohio State cover that involves enough points by Ohio State that it could get a little sweaty for that underplay, Tom. But that's why my m- most confident side is Ohio State minus six and a half, 16 and a half.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say this isn't like to, to your point. Whether it was, it has nothing to do with like Chris or any other coach as a coach. It's just when you look at the Big Ten, and this is not a knock on the Big Ten, who I think is, you know, probably of the Power Five conferences is probably the best Power Five conference from top to bottom in the country this year. It's just Ohio State is so much better than everybody else in the conference. And it's it's hard to trust anybody against them, even in a championship game.
2: Yeah. I, I, I say I don't have a, a play on this game, but. Ooh. There was there was never any consideration of playing Wisconsin. It's it's almost not as it's not as if like I, I mean, Ohio State is the is the it's either Ohio State or nothing. Um, and I don't know maybe I'll I'll just I'll throw Ohio State on there too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be
2: eight o'clock
0: Saturday night. We're gonna be waiting for this game to end. We want to be rooting for. Uh, Benjamin Victor to break free off a missed tackle for a touchdown that's going to turn it into a 21 from a 14 point game to a 21 point game. We want the front door.
2: I'll just say across the board I think this is going to be an incredibly boring weekend of football. I think they're going to be blowouts all over the place and maybe that Friday night game is going to be close. I, th- I think it probably will. But aside from that um. I guess I'm doing a little foreshadowing on my other picks, but uh, I I think this is not going to be a competitive weekend of football.
0: Well, uh, allow me to uh, take us then down the uh, down the infamous slide into Clemson, South Carolina. Remember when it was like the it was everybody's rite of passage to go down the slide? Hey guys, they got a slide. <laughs> Can you believe this? College football is crazy. A slide. <laughs> Um. Yeah. I, we are going to lay the points with Clemson. 28 and a half. Let's, let, let is, let's throw it out there and let's sit back and let's, it, you know, because it might get a little bit dicey near the end, but the way that this team is dialed in and as feisty as Dabo Sweeney sounds right now, I think that the mentality, the mentality might be we're not going to put Trevor Lawrence in a position where he's going to get hurt. That's fine. But even when those backups get in there, there's going to be uh, a level of explosiveness that this Virginia team, which is solid on the defensive front, but missing its best athletes on the back end of the defense. I mean, there's just going to be too many uh, wide open orange jerseys sprinting down the field in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So... I understand it's a massive number and I just I'm not going to be on Virginia because this thing could be 21 nothing by the end of 15 minutes so yeah let's let's get out there and uh, let's lay 28 and a half because I don't think Virginia' is getting to 14 and i I probably think that Clemson's gonna get to 45
2: do you guys remember? in last year's bowl or not bowl but championship weekend when i made my historic uh come from behind 8 and 0 week to uh tie tom uh and in, in total uh, mm-hmm. uh kind of steal the championship there uh my proudest moment from that week was playing Clemson minus 27 and a half and under 53 in Clemson Pitt, That was a, that was a, a tougher needle to thread even than this year. They're going to give me how many points? 50, 57, 55, 55 and a half. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to thread the needle again. Clemson minus 28 and a half. <laughs> un- under 55 and a half. And I just think Virginia can't score. They just, if they if they get to 14 points, I'll be surprised. And Clemson is as exhausting as the Davo Sweeney narrative is and talk and all that, that this team is too good. They're so good right now. And Virginia is not the team that's equipped to keep this game close. There may be some teams in the ACC that on the right day can keep it close. I don't think Virginia is one of them. So I, I think that this is a Clemson blowout at this. It, I, I think it's like a 40, you know, I don't know, 42 to 10, you know, you just did some quick, quick, 30, ma- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. your, your yeah. score
0: combinations are limited, but I love the, uh, I love the effort and going back to the well that uh, got you the W last year.
1: Yeah. Bring it.
0: Tom. You got any plays uh, here.
1: Yeah, this is not a lock unity, but it's kind of because I'm doing something I haven't done here all year. I'm taking Clemson, but I'm taking Clemson in the first half. Okay, at a half. half. All right. for For all the same reasons, you guys are on Clemson. You know, Virginia's offensive line bad. Clemson's defensive front good. Bryce Perkins, sole option really for that Virginia offense right now. But Clemson has Isaiah Simmons, who's you know pretty good counter to that. And Virginia's secondary has, you know, by my passing explosiveness metric on defense, Virginia's got the leakiest pass defense in the ACC, and it's one of the worst in the country as far as allowing big plays, which doesn't strike me as a great thing going against Trevor Lawrence in this unit. It's just, man, I I don't really want to lay four touchdowns, even if I think it's the right play. So I don't want to lock it up. Instead, I would rather lock it up in the first half because I think no matter what, Clemson's going to blow the doors off Virginia, and that, at least that way I don't have to worry about anything, you know, some junk backdoor kind of stuff happening in the second half, and just to support it a little bit in the first half this year, Clemson is averaging and it's it's leading its opponents by an average score of twenty-seven to four at halftime. So, <laughs> I'll 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 take Clemson. I'll lay the 16 and a half in the first half against Virginia, so that way I don't have to worry about the backdoor
0: anymore. First half that's plays. Play. That's I mean this is, uh. This is all kinds of, of new, a new frontier for the Cover Three podcast. Are we are we working this in now? Sure. I, I mean, I I will
1: do them in the season. It's just I typically don't lock it up because you know I'm trying to keep things
2: more mainstream. Yeah. It's really, it's really about results that we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Accessibility.
2: But when when you've got a limited slate, it's like okay, we get a little
1: bit a little more complicated this week. Okay. you're nobody's a freshman anymore. They've been listening all year. They know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> we're we're not going to take it all the way to like uh, soccer over unders that have a quarter of a goal. We're not going to take it to that level though, right? Correct. <laughs> okay.
1: Even that confuses me. A bit. Right. Uh, all right, Tom. Uh, back to you. I'm done. All I got left is my money line sprinkle.
0: Okay. Uh, wow. Are you Are you taking LSU?
2: Me, on, yeah.
0: Yeah, oh. same. Okay, you go first.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so we're getting to LSU. It's LSU minus seven, right? Yep. So first of all, I think that the LSU um, having injuries – I mean, DeAndre, like the the fact that DeAndre Swift, like that, we're a little unclear on what his status is, is big to me. Because while Georgia has other running backs, they don't have other running backs like DeAndre Swift. He, it's it's a different deal when he touches the football. And I think that they need all the all the juice, all the pop they can get out of the backfield. And uh, I don't know, uh, a, a toned down version of DeAndre Swift would concern me a little bit. So so that's concern number one. Lawrence Kager's out, that out, con- that's concern number two. George Pickens is out for the first half, that's concern number three. Those are all offensive concerns. And I think that Georgia is going to have to have its best offensive game. And I don't necessarily even mean putting up a ton of points, but I think it's going to have to really be able to possess the football and do a lot of things to to, to keep LSU's offense off the field. When LSU's offense is on the field, I, I have a ton of respect for this Georgia defense. It is absolutely one of the best units in the country. Dan Lanning has done a phenomenal job with that group and they're really good. But I think where they're best is in the front seven. They've got, don't get me wrong. They got good players on the back end, but I think there's, there's areas where you can, uh, I think this LSU offense can still move the ball. I think they'll be able to get points. I don't think that LSU is going to be able to, uh, to shut them down. And, um, I think that it's going to be hard for Georgia's offense to keep pace. I think this is not going to be um, all that close. I think LSU wins by a couple of touchdowns.
0: I'm. I think that this is a uh, this is a bad matchup for Georgia, and I don't really love the. I mean, this. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be overanalyzing, but when we're having to to, to try and do our best to take the temperature. I mean, does 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 Georgia really seem as as we've watched this Georgia team perform? Does it does it have the look of a group that is dialed in and ready to go win a championship? Like, does it does it have that? Uh, you know, we are ready to take down one of the most explosive offenses in the country. I'm we we get so much um, we we get a lot of flack for being Georgia haters on this podcast. And the, the ones who have come at us are listening to us right now and just ain't respecting the dogs. I know we're not respecting the dogs, but I just – when we have to split hairs, I see a Georgia team that even, you know, with as great as this defense is, an offensive line that is filled with pros, like there is a roadmap to covering this spread. There's a roadmap to winning this game. And it is, you know, just keeping the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands – long drives uh, defense bows up in the red zone to force a bunch of field goals instead of uh, touchdowns you know you limit the points per drive shrink the game a little bit there is a, a world that I can imagine where Georgia not only covers but wins but when you go back and you, you look at the Georgia Tech game and you look at the Texas A and M game I take those two performances and I just I don't see the fourth best team in the country. And so I, I think that we are catching a little bit of value here. I think that, I don't know if I'm going to say a couple touchdowns, Barton, but I, I would say that if I was to handicap this game, I would probably have it closer to 10 to 14.
2: I, yeah, I agree. Uh, there, I mean, there is an element of Georgia, like leaving you wanting more. And I think if you're going to have a chance with this LSU team this year, you just, uh, you're going to need a little more than that. Um, so I know everyone, you know, for all the people thinking they were Georgia haters, I think they're really good, but they're ranked. They are the first. Anyone who's going to be the first team behind those top three is is going to c- catch some, you know, catch some heat because there's there's a gap between those top three and everyone else. Wow. You guys are Georgia haters.
0: Are You are, too.
1: Not me. No, no, I'm not locking it up. But if you read the six pack this week, you will see that I have Georgia covering the spread.
2: In oh. This game. Oh, 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 I forgot. Uh, the dentist is also on Georgia in this game.
1: Oh, you guys are toast. Tom and the dentist <laughs> working together.
2: But the dentist is trying to say it's Georgia plus seven and a half. I don't see that half point anywhere.
1: Uh, it existed a couple days ago, probably when he gave it to you. Well, actually no, it's still seven and a half at Bavada, but yeah, that's really the only
2: place I could see it.
0: Now we know where the dentist shops.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I, I guess I'll give the dentist that seven and a half. I think if Georgia, if Georgia actually covers, I don't think that hook will matter because it'll, they'll either be inside a touchdown or, uh, or win it. Um, or it'll be, well beyond a touchdown, I think.
1: Uh, can can we touch talk about for a minute how I have I am the one with the fewest amount of locks this week. I think that's got to be the first time that's happened all season long. I've still got one I'm, left. Yeah, Barton's uh, already got three more than me. Chip's gonna have two more than me. I feel I feel like I'm letting the people down here. I almost want to go looking for another one. Oh. This is
2: probably irresponsible by me to throw all this. This action on the board this week. But. You, you could, uh, you could
0: go to the the Sun Belt title game and just, just saddle up with whoever you think is going to walk off the uh, championship stage onto another job.
2: <laughs> uh, I think this. Well, right. So, am I fading that person or am I playing that person? That's well. I think either one of these could. Because I think Billy Napier probably is more likely to get a job this cycle, and Eli Drinkwitz will probably get the job next cycle. <laughs> He's he's he he better
0: hope that he's got that thing together because I feel like he's he's riding. He's got like the uh, the Scott Satterfield team. It's like uh, the 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 Appalachian State Mountaineers led by Eli Drinkerfield something (laughs) like that. Um, Are you going to are you going to take somebody in Sunbelt Barton? I've got a Mountain West play.
2: No, No, I'm not going to play those games.
0: Tom, tell me if you want to come join me here because don't – we've got some – we've got some thoughts. We've got some principles in play because the Mountain West title game, it, it ain't in Las Vegas. It's not on a neutral field. It's on the uh, the team with the better record. And that means we're going to Boise, Idaho to the Smurf turf. And Boise State as a double-digit favorite at home. That's a – that's a little bit of a, a fade principle. And it makes it easy – to jump on uh, Hawaii because the Bows have Cole McDonald and an explosive offense. So when I'm trying to think about the way that this game gets played out, Boise state's going to lean on its running game as it has for most of the second half of the season. And Hawaii's going to be trying to keep pace with explosive plays. The game might get a little wacky, might get a little weird. I could see Hawaii's defense giving up some big plays, but at 14, I think that this fits all of our, uh, all of our anti Boise double digit home favorite principles. So give me the Bows plus 14.
1: It's not a lock agreement, but this was the one that was left off my card, and I'm going to toss it on because I'm, I'm not giving the people enough. Chip, this could be bad news for you.
0: Wait, you said it's not a lock agreement, or it is? It's not a lock agreement. Oh, you're taking anyway. Boise?
1: No. It could be bad news for you, though, because I'm taking the under. And you know why? Why? Winds between 11 and 13 miles an hour blowing through Albertson Stadium. That's not good for Cole McDonald. No, temps in the mid 40s. That's not good for Cole McDonald in Hawaii. They're not really fond of those kind of temperatures. (laughs) So I'm going to take the under 64 and a half. We've got we've got a wonder here, pretty much. And the only reason I didn't want to include it on the card originally is because I felt like this total was a little kind of dead set on, but. I'm going to rely on the power of the wind. It has gotten me so far in life that why, why would I turn my back on it now? So give me the under 64 and a half. It's a wonder.
0: Uh, uh, All right. So not, not a lock agreement and a, and not a lock, technically a lock fight. Those certainly um, lock in engaging principles that uh, both could hit. Both could hit. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe we get uh, Hawaii's best defensive performance of the season. Nick Rolovich, one of the better coaching jobs that we've seen so far this season. Um, but there have been plenty more. Barton, do you have anything else?
2: I'm, I'm cashed out.
0: Tapped out. All right. To review, Tom. We've got lock agreement between Tom and Barton, under 47, in Utah, Oregon. Uh, Tom's also got Oklahoma, minus 8. That is our... Uh, under 56 and a half in the big 10 championship, Ohio state, Wisconsin F a U minus seven and a half in the conference USA title game block fight with Barton Clemson minus 16 and a half in the first half and the under 64 and a half in Boise, Hawaii Barton. He's got the under 47 on Friday night in the PAC 12 championship game, Oklahoma minus eight LSU minus seven UAB plus eight in the conference USA championship game, Ohio state minus 16 and a half Clemson minus 28 and a half, under 55 and a half in Clemson Virginia and Memphis minus nine in the American Athletic Conference title game uh chip has got Oregon plus six and a half on Friday night Oklahoma minus eight LSU minus seven the under 57 and a half in Memphis Cincinnati Ohio State minus 16 and a half Clemson minus 28.5 and in Hawaii plus 14 in the Mountain West title game the dentist out here with Georgia plus seven and a half capital T capital D buying hooks. That's the dentist's life. When you, when you, when you cash an Ole Miss, uh, win total under, then, uh, you get to buy, you get, you don't care about the juice you lose on hooks, right? That's right. (laughs) Okay. Let's, uh, let's take it to our money line sprinkles Our sprinkle unity. Sadly, uh, was it got Lynn
2: Bowden? It looked like it was it, it was very much in play at halftime and then just poof, things got away.
0: 284 mm-hmm. rushing yards for the uh, wide receiver turned quarterback Lynn Bowden. So as we look at it championship week, what are our money line sprinkles?
1: I'll start. Uh, I'm taking the Ragin' Cajuns plus 195. I just look at this game and I feel like it goes two ways. Either Appalachian State covers and wins easily, or it gets kind of rock-fighty and close and then I'm taking, you know, the Cajuns at that price cuz I think that they're either going to win or get blown out. That's just the way I see this game going.
2: Um, Barton, what's the what is our number on Baylor?
1: Uh, the best you can get Baylor is 270.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll do that. And so I, I'm playing Oklahoma, but I'm sprinkling Baylor because I do think that if this is close, Baylor has a pretty good shot at, at pulling it out. Um, but I don't think it'll be close, but this is like my hedge. So give me, give me Baylor plus whatever you just said.
0: Much respect to the hedge. Uh, I am instead going to go on the other side of this where it is a bleeping double down. Uh, Tom, what are my prices on the Ducks?
1: Uh, you can get the Ducks at plus 205.
0: Plus 205. Let's lock it up. I think Oregon goes and wins this game. We have been... we they Again, they laid an egg against Arizona State, but I think the body of work shows a team that this is a coin flip game. And if I get some plus 205 value in what I see as a coin flip game, well, then uh, then I'm going to absolutely take it. Gentlemen, we will be back on Saturday night to recap Championship Week. Uh, we will also be with you on Sunday afternoon once we start to get our playoff, our bowl information, and, uh, and and then just we'll be rocking and rolling on into the postseason. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Yes, sir.